How's it going, guys? Scott from the Outlaws of Horror, and I'm joined today by... Alan, hope you guys are all keeping well this fine evening. Hello there, Outlaw Paul. Hi guys, Outlaw Colin here, hope you're having a good evening. Okay, and today, judging by Colin's backdrop, we have a special guest again, and it is John Amplis. <laughs> well, maybe in the future at some point. But yeah, no, uh, yeah, John is an absolute fantastic guy. I cannot wait to get him into the podcast so we can talk to him. Uh, he got an absolute wealth of knowledge when it comes to Romero films, and obviously, I'm assuming we're going to be talking about Martin at some point because that is probably one of the best Romero films that John Lambert is in. Because well, he's the major star in it as well. So let's get John in, and we'll go from there. So. <laughs> all right so uh, yeah so tell you what, then, uh, john we'll start with um oh some convention so <clears throat> on the, the convention circuit uh you like you'll obviously you know you meet like me and the fans have you ever met some like crazy weird fan that's you know just got a little bit over the top with some things you know i haven't i not that i recall honestly i mean there are some that that <laughs> There, there's there's generally a, a a guy or two that come to the table and and stare uh, <laughs> and, and kind of just ha- hang around. That was me. Sorry. <laughs> and you, you say hello, and they say hello, and then they stand there for about ten minutes. Uh, you know. <laughs> Looking at the uh, looking at your uh, display of photos or posters or uh, which is fine, but it gets it's a little creepy because they don't talk to you. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, well, I've, I mean, I've been that guy because especially at 2016 weekend of the day because I didn't know anyone there and I'd uh, you know uh, hadn't done anything like that for a long time. Um, uh-huh. All I can say is if it's if it's me, it's just because they're in awe of actually seeing whoever it is in the flesh at least that's for me i don't know the others probably are a bit creepy to be fair but i mean yeah i've always had a pretty good rapport um with uh with the fans i mean you know it's the fans that keep the you know uh, the wheels greased and keep things going on so that there can be public appearances for us to to come to Uh, for the fans do you mind me making an observation here? Huh? Uh-oh. Do you mind me making an observation? It's just that I'm I'm noticing that um, certain films, certain genres, the and the more time moves on, the more people seem to gravitate towards these classic films rather than the modern rubbish that's out there. Well, uh, thank goodness, um, yeah. you know, because I've been I was lucky to have actually. Uh, five to six uh, outings uh, working in George's film. So um, it, it, it is a big surprise, I'll tell you that, but uh, I, I'm really happy for it um, because if it weren't so, uh, I would have never have met any of you guys. Um, and, um, you know, I think George's stuff is pretty special and uh, early on, you know, started to gain once Night of the Living Dead actually made a started to make a little money. 
uh, and to be more accepted uh, as a film, um, you know, George's name kept and his films kept going. In other words, he was able to make more. And uh, fortunately, he was able to make quite a few that um, that people have become uh, really enamored with and um, and has turned his work into a kind of cult. Uh, of, uh, he, he turned him into kind of a cult filmmaker. Uh, and um, although I'm not sure that's what he started out to want to be. Um, but uh, I'm appreciative of the fact, like Martin, uh, was made in 1976, here it is 2020, there are still new, um, new generations of uh, fans and, and, and filmmakers and people coming to it for the first time and then enjoying it and uh, coming to appreciate it. And that's, what, 44 years later? Yeah. Uh, that's kind of amazing to me. You know, I was 27. I'm now 71. Wow. <laughs> so, <laughs> that's, a, uh, that's a long time. Um, of course, I didn't really get involved with, uh, I didn't know that there were conventions out there for the longest time. I had no clue. All of my work, primarily, I mean, I'm primarily a theater person. You know, I uh, lived and worked in the theater, you know, my whole life. Uh, even during the time that I was making some of the films with George. Um, except when I was in New York for six, six years, uh, between 76 and 82, um, I would come back and do a play at the Playhouse, and then I would get a call from George and saying, oh, well, we're doing Dawn of the Dead. Can you help? Yeah, sure. I'm, I'll be there. So I kept getting opportunities to do kind of both at the same time for a while. Uh, and then in 1982, I was offered a part-time job as a teacher, which I never set out to be. Um, uh, and uh, continued doing that until uh, just a couple of years ago, 2018. I retired. Wow. Yeah. Well, that was this. Well, we you know, primarily, you know, I'm primarily a theater guy. Yeah. Well, that was it with George, with George's films. There was more sort of like artwork, pieces of art than there were films. Like for instance, for Martin, take Martin for example. It's colour and it's a bit dark, a bit gloomy here and there. But then those black and white moments, yeah, that that to me is just a canvas and someone's painting a picture. And I think that's the thing that attracts me to that film. I mean, I, I genuinely love Martin and I cannot wait for that 4K sort of like... Yeah, new, looking, yeah I'm looking forward to that. I'm looking think, forward to seeing it myself. I think you make a good point, Scott. I mean, I've revisited Martin recently because it had been too long since I'd seen it and what I, what we, what I realised is John you deliver such a powerful performance with not much dialogue really yeah. when you boil it down there's not a great deal of dialogue but you don't need it and I think you're right when you go back to it being more art than film and especially so, with the intersections right. of the black and white I think it's always about less is more yeah, yeah. Uh, and um, and what we did 
say uh, what the dialogue did have in it um, uh, was enough. Mm. Um, you know, you don't have to talk a lot to tell a story, especially in film. Film's a visual medium. So I think it's very important to use the medium of, of the visual, um, which, you know, what they say, a picture can tell a thousand words. So uh, it's, 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 it's more than appropriate. And I do think it's an art, an art piece. I don't think it was understood for a long, long time. Uh, and again, I have to... Um, I have to thank the uh, the fans and the folks uh, that are appreciative of the genre uh, that George was working in. And um, but I agree with you. I think it is a piece of art um, more than more than it. It was originally uh, George even thought about m wanting to do it entirely in black and white. Oh. Which is, uh, you know, I don't know if it would have made it kind of more noir um, in a way. Um, um, but ultimately, that didn't happen. I'm not sure why it didn't happen, but ultimately, I guess that decision was uh, was uh, changed. I, I personally think color ruins films. I know um, Night Living Dead, there's a color version kicking around of it, and it's awful. It doesn't work ruins it ruins the film and that film to me my two i'm the i'm the newbie into the whole discovery of the romero movies um blame colin um but i the more i watch them you're you are right in your earlier comment of the romero uh, casts are very much family centric but the pieces of art that they made in night day and dawn every time i watch them because now especially we're engaging with lots of them like russ and others um i'm finding i'm seeing more i'm seeing more genius to it i'm seeing more depth and i am i, I still to this day can't make up my mind as to which one is my favorite i've i, I can't pick one because to me night is an amazing masterpiece but day is an action horror romp that is also a masterpiece of that same genre and i can't i can't pick a favorite it's difficult, yeah. I end up. I don't think I have. Yeah, you know, I've yeah. so many different kinds of films. Uh, the truth, <laughs> I shouldn't out myself this way, but the truth for me, horror is not my first choice of 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 picture. You know, I started working out with working with George because I'm an actor. Yeah, I was a young actor. This gig, yeah. You know, it was a job. Um, and professionally, I've always looked at any of the work that I've done as first and foremost, it's a job, it's a profession. So I have to know how to get that job done and make sure that I do it properly and to the best of my ability. So I, I'm, I'm not trying to, you know, downplay, um, I'm not trying to downplay anything, but uh, I'm... I'm I'm more of a gangster guy. I love gangster movies. Oh, don't yeah, yeah. Oh, I love a good gangster flick. Oh my God, you know I, I I'll go crazy over a gangster movie. I'm looking for them all the time on Netflix and Hulu. <laughs> I think everyone is at the moment, aren't they? Yeah. <laughs> Locked up at home, Amazon oh. and Netflix. Their ratings must be through the roof. 
Oh, I've gone through everything. It seems like. I mean, yeah. did you did you watch the Irishman, John? Did you see? Did you manage to catch the Irishman? Yeah, I have seen the Irishman. What did you yeah. think of that? The return of Joe Pesci and Rob De Niro. Amazing. Uh, yeah, it was kind of a cool idea. I don't think it's Scorsese's best movie. No, nope. no. You know, um, but uh, I enjoyed the fact that these guys were all together again. Um, and uh, they all did a great job. I guess what was interesting about the Irishman was the um, special effects on the aging process of these, you know, that I that worked fairly well. I thought, you know. Yeah, no, I think that's. I'd agree with that. Yeah. Yeah, and um, and the story of you know De Niro's character um, uh, was interesting as hell. Um, that's the thing that irishman movie i thought it was a great it was a great film because it was great to see those masterpiece actors back together doing what they do brilliantly with all the technology to allow them to show a very long story arc but it wasn't you couldn't it, it doesn't hold a candle to like the goodfellas of this world or casino well, or no 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 or even go back further mean streets or uh, it's it's a bit of a nostalgia yeah. flick to be honest with you yeah. but a great I agree. Great story. I agree. I agree. I agree. Yeah. Uh, so where were we? <laughs> <laughs> I got you off track. I know. I <laughs> no, it's good. It's I good. do. <laughs> so let's talk. About, let's talk about uh, Nathan's corpse in Creepshow. That hey. the makeup process. How long did it take? Was it comfortable? Did you do the voice? You know, how did that process happen? Um, you know, I got a, uh, you know, Savini's the one that actually cast me, um, because I was probably, um, I was probably a good 40, 50 pounds lighter in those days. Yeah. <laughs> and he needed somebody slight to fit into this costume he was creating, um, that had to still look emaciated. So he had to have a smaller actor uh, play the role. Uh, I went in, I guess it took about a week or so for me to go in and do the plaster work and um, on my face, on my hands, on my head, on my arms and uh, hands because they were, they became gloves. Um, and then he created the, the costume around that, um, and the emaciated and, uh, skeletal, uh, interior. It took him a good month or so, as I recall, um, to create the final product, um, of the suit. It was kind of like wearing a suit. Um, so uh after that and then i went in and shot for about a week um and so um yeah that was the basic kind of you know experience yeah. with it well that's it like with practical effects as well i mean um <clears throat> there's got to be some costs to pay with comfort as well because i'm sure it didn't look like it was a comfortable suit <laughs> i tell you the truth it really it really wasn't bad it fit it fit fine i could move um, he made it so that I could move the jawline with my own jaw, oh, wow. you know, so that I was able to 
I was able to speak, although you don't hear my voice. You hear, uh, what was the actor's name? That's terrible. I should know it. The man that played uh, Nathan Grantham when he was alive. Oh, it's all. I'll come back. I'll find yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll out. It was his voice. Um, but um, yeah, I was able to move my jaw. Um, it, it was fairly, it was fairly comfortable if I was just wearing the mask and the suit. Yeah. Uh, we had to, they had to dig a, a, a hole, you know, about three to four inch deep that I would have to sit in, yeah. um, in order to come up out of the gray. So, um, that got a little hot. We had a fan running down there to try to keep the circulation of the air going, uh, before I came up out of the, uh, before I, out of the grave. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, you know, I got a chance to, uh, I got a chance to kill Ed Harris. Uh, and uh, Vivica Linfers, who was really my favorite person um, there. She was just an absolute delight. And, uh, you know, just a consummate, consummate problem. She would do anything. She was up for anything. She would crawl around in the dirt. She would flop over. She would scream. She, she didn't care. She did it all, you know. Uh, Carrie Nye, uh, who I was happy to meet, uh, Dick Cabot's wife at the time. Um, she, uh, uh, in fact, I worked with her. She came back to Pittsburgh uh, and did a play uh, that I stage managed at the Playhouse back in, I don't know, 81 or 82, uh, shortly after we made Creepshow. Um, and she was fun. You know, she was as sarcastic as sarcastic comes. Just as smart as any anybody I ever met. You know, uh, but she would always be smoking, and she had that. <laughs> <laughs> she was fun. She was a lot of fun. Yeah. Yeah. So I had a good time on Creep Show. I didn't have to. Um, uh, I <laughs> I didn't have to learn any dialogue. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I'll say, because like, even with the your, your character in Night Riders, the mime, I mean, again, you didn't say a word, but yet you was the most noticeable character in the film. Oh, thank you so much. I um, I, I, ch I got a chance to... George offered me the choice of two roles in Night Riders. Uh, he offered me the choice of the jester, which Randy Kovitz played, yeah. the uh, lover of the other guy. <laughs> Water shook. Yes, water shook. Yeah. And um, and and this, what he had in his head was a mime. Mm -hmm. Well, I took the mime role because I thought, you know what? It's more mysterious. Nobody knows exactly who he is. Yep. And it's like he ran away to join the circus. Yeah. And. Uh, who knows what he was hiding out from? Um, and you never saw him out of whiteface. So, 
uh, I thought, you know, that's a little mysterious. I think, uh, I'll think I'll do that. Then I had a chance, and then, of course, I I worked with, I didn't meet him until we started shooting, but uh, Brother Blue, who was just a hoot and a guy. Um, And he was, you know, he was more like who he played in life. Uh, than anybody. I mean, that's the kind of stuff he used to do. He was a street performer. He was a, I forget if it was Yale or Harvard educated man, uh, very literary. He, you know, uh, well read, well spoken, but that's the kind of stuff he would do. Zippity zop, zip, zip, <laughs> you know, uh, and just a, just a kind, sweet soul. Yeah. Uh, so so I'm at, uh, yeah, I've had good luck working with good people. Fan theory here, controversial fan theory. At the end of Martin, yeah. Martin is resurrected by some demonic forces, goes, runs off, and is the mime in Night Riders. Well, it's funny you should say that, though, because <laughs> of his conspiracies, because people say if you put the two films together and the mime is a serial killer who's been travelling with the, the circus device, <laughs> killing people... And then like when it. the yeah when it all ends, the mime goes to the train station, takes his makeup off, and then he's Martin. Yeah, it's such a zany zany <laughs> future, but that would be such a crazy film That'd be awesome. to make. I like it. I like it a lot. I wish we had done that. That would be cool. I mean, it's really, really cool. They should have done it like the George Romero box, you know, between night and day with all yeah. vanilla crazies and all that. They should have done the well before. And after Night Riders. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Now that's something that would be cool. Yeah, yeah. I like it. I've got a question, John, because you were talking about your stage work and even stage managing some productions. So I don't know if you know, Night of the Living Dead uh, became a stage play. Certainly here in the UK, it's toured. I've tried to catch it, but never got around to catching it. So I'm thinking, do you think, Day of the Dead could become a stage play with that work on stage, and could you get involved with that? I don't. I I don't know. I, I, <laughs> I I'm kind of a traditionalist in many ways, you know. Um, I they're two different mediums, and I think because of that, uh, things would have to change. Um, from the original film. Uh, You can't do on stage what you can do in film, it seems to me. Um, I think they belong... uh, I think think they belong in the medium they were intended to be in. Um, Now, maybe somebody more imaginative, far more creative than I... Can I I suggest if somebody did that in the theatre, it would have to be epic and have a massive budget... Oh, and it's one of those iconic yeah. films. And I think I agree um, as a bit of a theatre lover myself, because I am a huge theatre lover. Um, it would take something special to get that epic scale and, and type of film into the theatre. Whereas I think Night of the Living Dead, you could do that with just a, it was a smaller, strategic set changes yeah. and the right atmosphere and ambience that the theatre can create. Right. Yeah. Um, You're probably right, because as as... As confined as 
day is night is probably even more confined because they're all cooped up in the farmhouse and yeah, yeah. arguing amongst themselves similar to day but day is a bigger scale you're right yeah i haven't seen that production you're talking about and i have heard about it um um so i mean i mean i can't comment on what i think of it versus the film yeah well it was being advertised uh, when we was doing weekend of the dead and we went for that meal john uh the on the thursday before uh, the show, we was right. in that we was in that restaurant. They had the posters of it up there, if you oh, remember. That's right, it did. Yeah, it did. Yeah, Why it didn't did. I go over to see it? I wonder while I was over there. No, I think because it was it was being played. I think in September. Ah. And so obviously, I mean, obviously that wouldn't have happened because it did. It was in two parts. It was at the beginning of the year and at the end of the year. Ah. Um, I think we didn't get the last leg of it because of this COVID bollocks. But yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I, yeah, I left. Um, I when I flew out of London, um, uh, I got home and COVID had already uh, landed. <laughs> yeah, we literally probably I would say we wrapped up Weekend of the Dead, get, got everybody on their flights, got everybody home. And it was right. literally the next week yeah. we knew it was going to be a big problem. And I yeah. think the week after that, we locked down. Everything was shut. Right. So we, we were so lucky. Really yeah. lucky. Yeah. If, if Weekend of the Dead was two days later, it wouldn't have happened. Right. Yeah, it wouldn't right. have happened because we would never have got you guys back home. Yeah. Right. And it was delayed. Weekend of the Dead was delayed anyway, too, also. Uh, it, it was initially to go in November. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then that had to change. Yeah, I don't. I don't recall the reasons for it. Uh, Marcus probably told me, but uh, that's one of those reasons that only Marcus knows. I think so. <laughs> <laughs> it's one of those marbles rolling around his head. Yeah. I trust Marcus explicitly. Yeah. yeah, he's one of the he's one of the sweetest, kindest men I've ever met in my entire life, and. Um, you know, the convention that you guys run or ran over there um, is the very best convention I've ever attended. That's uh, oh, good. good to know. Oh, yes, thanks. It was out, it's absolutely the best. I mean, my very, very favorite. Um, I'll tell you one of the reasons why. Because it's, um, it's, about, it's about an appreciation um that is give and take from both you guys uh and us um the performers and and workers of uh george romero uh it, it you guys were all volunteers it wasn't about money you know it was not about money it was about getting to know one another and enjoy one another um, so it was a celebration of, again, family uh, and not something that, you know, that is required to make a lot of money. Um, and so uh, I appreciate that more than anything, because the conventions they have here is only about the promoters. Yeah. Uh, it, you guys are friends, you know. I can't, I can't call up any any of the promoters in in the states here and expect to be able to talk to them. 
uh, but I could call probably any one of you now and and get an answer. Absolutely. And, yeah, definitely. And be able to have a conversation. So I I consider the folks that attend uh, uh, your convention or uh, um, friends uh, and not just fans, uh, uh, both. But you know, uh, I could. I could come to England and call any one of you and go out to dinner. You yeah, know, one hundred percent. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah, big time. And um, so uh, I just love you guys. Uh, I, I have okay too. I I I want to get back there once. Once they'll let us. Yeah, once all this is over. I think that'll be next year at least now, by the way things are going at the moment. Yeah, ramping back up over here. When you do get back over, John, I'm sure there's a bed in each one of our houses for you. So, And that was the great thing, too. I mean, you know, there were some nights that I had to go to the hotel, but most of the time, you know, when, like, once the convention... The last time I was there, I spent uh, two nights at Marcus's, and then after the convention was over, I spent two more nights at Marcus's, <laughs> and, um, it, and it was so great because I had my son with me, you know, and they opened up their home to us both, you know, and then, you know, gave us a chaperone uh, and went to went drove into london or took the train into london and you know we it's it's um it's really heartfelt uh and i'm so appreciative of uh, all so tell us about um we'll go back to some films because obviously you know it's, we could talk about that all day and with the weekend of the dead and and it's really, really nice, but that's for another podcast. <laughs> I've got um, two questions. If you don't mind film related. I want to edit out all my all my jabbering about things that don't matter. Oh no, it's no, it's, good. it's, it's yeah, all it's all appreciated. I, mean, I love it personally. I, I genuinely love it because when people like you and other actors, they talk about that show like that. It just makes me feel like we're doing our job correctly. So it's really appreciated. So thank you for that, Jim. Absolutely. I'm going to have a cigarette. I hope you don't mind. No, that's right. Go on, Paul. So, yeah, I want to get on to um, um, Dr. Fisher, um, if you don't mind. So, um, Can you wait for one second? Yeah. I'm going to run away and find my cigarettes. Okay. Uh, Sorry, this is the part you can... That's right, I'll I'll, I'll just take a note, 30 minutes. (laughs) 30 minutes. John goes to get a fag. Yeah, smoke break. (laughs) That's it, fan break. <laughs> <laughs> Shall we just keep recording? Keep...